Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 143 of Radiance, my original Fallout fan fiction. As always, if you can like, share, and subscribe to this wherever you can, and leave feedback at sites via fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. You always enjoy reading your comments and seeing what you're thinking. And you know, if you've got any ideas, you're always free to leave them on my Discord or on these sites. And you know, if I like the ideas, I might pick them up and use them. You never know. But if you do pop over to ghostnobody.com, why don't you check out Stormrider? You know, if big surly dragoness girls, orcs and elves, magical realms, and human mages are your sort of thing, check it out. You might enjoy it. And also, while you're there, why not pop over to the ghostly link section? Check out Mortis, my original novel, for sale on both Smashwords and on Amazon. Pick it up. Help support me and keep me doing what I love, bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you good people. So, without any further ado then, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it, that's all Bethesda. I just keep Crazy Tales happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 143. A picture speaks a thousand words. Rather than simply abandon the captured base of the once former boss, Seven and his people decided to claim the territory for their free peoples. They did this not only as a wish to hand back the resources that the territory provided, as there were quite a few active farms within its border, but it also gave them a much closer jump-off point to push into the other clan territories before their inevitable assault on the main capital. Seven also knew that they were now really going to have their work cut out for them, as the either raider clans were not likely to take the toppling of one of their own very lightly. A strike back was inevitable, once they figured out what was happening and who was doing it. So, all they could do for the time being was to ensure the defences of each of the captured settlements was not only up to scratch, but went far beyond that of which the raiders or any other surprises the region held for them would bring. Though for the time being, he was happy to watch the newly freed slaves revelling in their newfound freedoms, and also watching the surprising speed at which friendships were blossoming between them and the non-human saviors. The once feared and reviled Gator Claws were now a constant source of reassurance and joy for the freed slaves, as was proven by a little scene playing out right below the window of their new temporary command centre right in the middle of the boss's home. Visa was leaning on one of the massive windowsills which looked out over the large fort-like town when she spotted something that piqued her curiosity. Hey, come and look at this, my love. She called, causing Seven to turn from the map of the region that he captured which showed the current makeup of the clan territories and rough numbers as well as resource exports. He walked over to stand beside his massive claw girl as she pointed down towards one of the fields where a group of young human teens seemed to be happily showing a group of gator claw soldiers how they took care of the crops. It made his heart smile as he watched one of the large gator claw females walk over to the back of one of the nearby handcarts and retrieve a truly massive water bowser, which he then carried back over to them like it weighed no more than a sack of potatoes. And as he watched, the other gator claws in her little pack all began to chip in, grabbing long stretches of hosepipe and working on them until they rigged up what looked like a makeshift irrigation system that ran the length of the nearby crop gullies. The massive gate claw female began to pump the bowser handle, causing water to spray all along the lines of crops at once, once she increased the pressure. 
Seven chuckled to himself as he watched the teens marvel at this little revelation. He was quite literally watching the Gator Claws take what they had learned about farming from the previously freed slaves of their own settlements back in Dry Rock and were now passing that knowledge along. They were teaching these human slaves to work smarter, not harder. Well, I'll be damned. We really are having an impact here, aren't we? He said softly as he watched the teen shrieking with joy as he saw now how much easier it was to simply fill a single bowser and pump that rather than carry heavy cans up and down the lines of crops. What do you humans say now? Oh yes, give a male a fish and he eats for a day. Teach him to fish and he eats for a lifetime, Visa said proudly as he watched her gator claw counterparts teaching them other little tricks that they had learned about how to efficiently sow seeds now. While true, I get the feeling that with our lot it would swiftly turn into give a male a fish and they'll instantly use it to try and win over a pretty claw girl, Seven said, making Visa chuckle before swishing her long tail and cocking her hip as she turned to face him with a hand on said hip. It'll take a lot more than a single fish to get under this claw girl's tail, human boy, she said with a defiant yet seductive growl to her voice. Hmm, how about two fish and a foot rub, Seven said with a playful grin. Sold. That bit wouldn't death do for you? Reza said, making Seven bark out loud a laugh before reaching out for her hand, before she used it to reach down, flip him up and onto one of her large shoulders. I'll take one of those human IOUs on the foot rub and the fish later, Reza said, carrying Seven towards the large polished oak desk that was obviously the pride of the boss's collection. Real shame that they were going to ruin it, really. Visa couldn't, Vizzy couldn't help but smirk to herself as she watched Visa flip Seven off his feet and vanish somewhere deeper inside the boss's office. She got the distinct feeling the doors would soon be locked and if there weren't, woe betide anyone unlucky enough to want an audience with their claw-loving leader for at least the next hour. She also felt a pang of jealousy that pulled her heavy sigh from her, as well as a bit of a mournful buzz from her wings. That's when she heard an odd soft scratching noise coming from below the ledge that she was currently sat upon. And when she looked down, she spotted the human artist called David, sat in the shade of a nearby building with what appeared to be a sketch pad in his hands. He also appeared to be looking up at her. He also rather abruptly brushed brightly when she caught him looking at her, so she decided that warranted some further investigation. Lifting off from the ledge, she flew down to ground level and landed a few feet from him, causing him to shield himself slightly from the dust that she kicked up with her wings. Hi, David. What are you drawing? She asked, darting forward to get a look at the pad before he was able to clutch it to his chest and hide it from her. What she saw before the image vanished against his slender chest caused her mandibles to fall open slightly. The drawing was truly exquisite. He had sketched her in what appeared to be a charcoal colour, and he'd used some coloured graphite to fill in the colours of her body, but only the colours of her body. The entire image itself was black and white, except for her, and it really made her pop out vividly on this little canvas. Is that me? she exclaimed, pointing to the now-hidden pad. David blushed even brighter and then nodded, with a bit of an embarrassed look creeping now onto his face. Yeah, please don't be angry with me. I wanted to give it to you as a thank you for what you did for me. One of your guys found this paper pad in a box of coloured graphite pencils somewhere. He said I could have them, so I thought it'd be a nice thing to maybe draw all of you to give them to you. He said, sounding as embarrassed as he looked. 
Can I see it? She asked with a pleasant buzz to her wings. David looked kind of awkward for a moment, but then nodded and held out the pad to her. I've only managed to do two or three of you so far, he said, and Vizzy took the pad in two of her four hands and opened it up to look inside. The first two images were of Visa and Seven. Visa was stood looking every bit the valiant, conquering Alpha Claw she watched over a load of faded Gator Claws who were protecting freed slaves in the background. Seven, meanwhile, was floating in the air wearing his power armour, though while lacking his helmet he still looked like some sort of knight commander, or maybe a king, floating high above people. As he watched protectively over said people, giving them their first free meal with their new guardians, making sure absolutely would nothing ever harm them again. Somehow, she imagined him as this silent sentinel, guarding all the innocent lives before him resolutely, with a power fuelled by his determination and passion to keep them all safe. Then there was her picture. She wasn't being valiant, or heroic, or standing looking over a field of defeated foes. She was simply sitting on that ledge, looking out over the green fields and beautiful flowers. And that's when it hit her. There were no green fields or beautiful flowers here. That's when she looked even more closely at herself and realised she appeared to have what appeared to be a crown of flowers woven in through her antennae. And she was the old soul, the only thing in full colour in the picture. How come mine is so different from the other two? She asked, glancing up at him and waving her antennae over him. And she suddenly realised the air was thick with pheromones around him and they were making her curious. They twist tasted sweet, but with also a bit of hint of nervousness to them. I, uh, um, well, you see, when I saw you sat on that wall, you just seemed, well, to shine. You looked so vibrant, like you didn't have a care in the world. And you couldn't be a simple pretty girl sitting and watching the world go by with no worries, just content to be. He said softly, but there are no fields or flowers here. Well, unless you count the fields of crops, anyway. And they certainly don't look like these, do they? She pressed, before freezing up as her mind suddenly caught the one sentence in what he'd said her brain hadn't expected, so it had completely clapped past over. He called her a pretty girl. Yeah, I know, and I'm sorry for the fictional setting if it isn't to your liking. It, I can always change it. Just seeing you up there kind of made me think of a picture I saw once as a kid. It was of an advertisement for honey, or at least I think it was honey. It was so long ago now. But anyway, those beautiful rolling hills filled with golden wheat and these pretty flowers everywhere. And then there were all these little bees buzzing around, happily collecting pollen to make the honey. But in the foreground, there's this pretty human girl. And when I saw you up there, it instantly made me think of you. Like you were some sort of pretty queen bee watching over all the little worker bees as they busily collected the pollen for you to make honey. I just couldn't unsee it, so I kind of drew it. I was going to draw you in the same sort of flowery-style, summer-style dress that I saw her wearing, which I was kind of guess was probably the style, like, back when they, you know, everything wasn't trying to kill you in the day. But I thought it'd be a real shame to cover up your carapace's beautiful, vibrant colours. And your wings kind of look like a flowing dress made of gosmer. I mean... They shimmy and they flow when you walk or sit. So yeah, I guess they work as a stand-in to give you that kind of regal feminine beauty. I'm sorry if you don't like it. I can do better, I promise. 
he said. He felt like someone had clubbed her upside the head. Never in her life had anyone other than her brother said such beautiful things to her. Not only had he called her pretty and beautiful, but he said she looked like a queen. A human male saw her as a true hive queen, just like her brother had said someone would. It's beautiful, David. Please, don't change a thing. But I'm sure I, I'm not sure I deserve such an honour as to overwrite your memory like this. I'm not a queen, nor am I beautiful, she said in a voice shaking slightly. Oh, but you do, and yes you are, both inside and out. I saw what you did for us here, the way you fought for us. I was going to draw you in an action scene like I did for Seven and Visa, you know, kind of swooping in to kill the raiders or to save people. But then I saw you up there, and I thought, here is a person who deserves to have the world see her more for who she truly is. Not just this battle-hardened warrior, but also just a simple girl who likes to sit and see the beauty of the world. One who would do anything to make it better and keep it beautiful. That's why I kind of chose the image of a queen. Plus, you kind of look pretty regal upset up there, he said, scratching the back of his head, obviously happy that she did like his work. Thank you, David. So, so much. You have no idea what this picture and your kind words mean to me. She said, faking back her emotions, but her joyful buzzing seemed to confuse him, and she fought to push down the powerful feelings that were welling up inside her now. It seemed that David took her cracking voice as a form of sadness, and he, she saw it in his beautifully expressive eyes. I'm sorry if I upset you, Vizzy. I, I didn't mean to. I, He began looking distraught. And that possibly upset her because she cut his words off by wrapping her forearms around him and hugging him against her. I'm not upset. I'm happy. It means what my brother and my late queen always said to me was true. Every word of it. And you saw it. As plain as day. And you have no idea what that truly means to me. She said softly in his ear. I am... Um, no, I'm afraid I don't. But I'm glad you like it. And it made you happy. People like you and all the others here deserve all the happiness you can get in this world and in this life. Because what you do for people like me, trust me when I say that people are willing to stand up for others, for complete strangers are a rarity now. So to meet not only other humans but non-humans who are willing to do so, especially when under normal circumstances my kind would probably run out of fear of you, or worse attack you for nothing more than existing... It fills me with both a joy and a sadness in equal measure. He said softly while his hands finished it at his sides, obviously unsure whether he should return or embrace or not. Busy felt his nervousness, but she also smelt it in the air around him, so she stepped back from him, releasing as she did so. Why sadness? she asked. Guilt, I suppose. I felt as scared as everyone else here when I saw you first. I was worried that you were going to hurt or kill us. We always got told these stories about the wastes being such a dangerous place where everything wants to kill us, human and non-human alike. So then to see a group like yours bursting in here, the way you did, I thought that was the end for all of us, that we were going to get torn apart limb from limb and eaten. But then I saw what you were all doing, how you were only targeting the raiders and nobody was eating anyone. That's when I realised who you all truly were. Heroes. And I felt like shit because of my bigotry towards all of you, he said with a guilty note in his voice as he hung his head with obvious shame. Fizzy buzzed her wings with a note of compassion and as of a shared guilt too, 
as she remembered her own first thoughts when she'd met Seven's group, and she nodded her head in understanding, making her antennae bob and swish with the motion. She placed one of her hands on his shoulder and reached out with the other one, the low ones, to take his in it. Would it shock you to know that I kind of felt the same about humans at first? She asked and he looked up at her in surprise, as he'd been looking at his hand as she gently rubbed a wonderfully soft, supple skin on the back of it. Really? He asked and she nodded, making her antennae bob and swish again. Come, sit with me. I want to tell you a story, she said, gesturing to the ledge that she'd been sat up on before David looked and looked up at it. I um, don't think I can get up there. I'm not exactly a good climber and I don't exactly see a ladder any, he began as he looked around at the nearby wall. Oh, don't worry about that. I got you covered. Vizzy laughed and as she walked behind him, she quickly wrapped her lower arms around his waist while hooking her upper ones underneath his armpits and before taking to the air. He was a little heavier than he looked, but he was also a lot lighter than she felt he should have been, which was a kind of odd thought, really. She'd braced for his weight, and while he was heavy enough for her to realise there was no way she'd be able to fly any real significant distance while carrying him, it was obvious that he was a lot lighter than he should have been given his size, which meant he was rather undernourished. This was most likely a result of being underfed, a feeling she knew all too well after her own time in the boss's hands. She and her brother were lucky if they got fed once a day, sometimes every other day, so she could much sympathise with him. Whoa! he exclaimed as she lifted him into the air with a clattering of her large wings before hoisting him up to the ledge and depositing him safely upon it, before landing behind him and holding him steady while he got his footing. Wow! I didn't know you were that strong, strong enough to carry a whole person! he exclaimed, turning around with a surprise and joy written across his handsome face. Not really over long distances, but a short lift like this is no problem, she said, smiling at him with her mandibles. She turned once again and took her seat before patting the ground next to her and inviting him to sit down with her. David cautiously sat down on his bum before scooting over to the edge to sit next to her, and she let her legs dangle over the side. Ahead of them, the sun was now setting over the hills in the distance, casting a fiery orange and gold glow over the world before them. Oh, wow, so beautiful, David exclaimed, his eyes widening in delight as he took in the view from the hills for the first time. Things tend to be the higher up you get. Sometimes a change of perspective can really open your eyes to the things around you, she said softly as she took in the view before her, but not the one of the golden bathed hills. Oh, the golden-bathed human sat right next to her. She loved the way the sun lit up his tanned white skin with an almost caramel light, the way it seemed to make his black hair shimmer like there were highlights of greens and golds woven throughout it, the way it made his eyes sparkle as he drank it all in. He was an amazingly beautiful male, and she couldn't help but wonder why the boss hadn't added him to her private collection. This collection was a kind of open secret among the slaves. Even down in their basement cages, her and her brother heard tales of those unfortunate enough to earn the boss's wrath, enough to be cast down into the darkness with them to serve out their punishment. If handsome male slaves are captured or brought, bought that caught the boss's eye, she would often have them plucked from the cages and taken away to her quarters, where they were kept away from all the others. Now, no one quite knew what happened to these house slaves, as they were called, 
All they knew was it was not good, as the sounds of crying could often be heard coming from the house late at night, as well as wails of pain. Whatever the reason he had not been collected, Vizzy actually felt rather thankful for it, as it had spared him at least some of the horrors of that place. So, what was that story you wished to tell me? And do you mind if I sketch while you tell it? I just see so many beautiful things here, I cannot waste this opportunity. He asked and she nodded with a smile, seeing him so happy and filled with energy as well as joy filled her with a sense of it as well. No, of course not. Sketch away. I want you to see the world. I want to see the way, world the way you see it, Fizzy said, gesturing with both his pad and the view of both of her hands. Then she took a deep breath to tell him a story of her life in the hive and what had happened to her and her brother. As she talked, David listened intently. But she could also see him constantly glancing between her, the view, and the pad in his hands. Though from the angle they were sat at, she couldn't exactly see what he was sketching, though. When she reached the part about where her home and family were burned alive by torch on the boss's orders, David froze, and his face morphed into one of pure horror, and one of also sympathy. And he reached out with his hand and placed it on her knee, which made her wings buzz in both happiness and surprise. Oh, Vizzy, I had no idea the evil bastard did that to you and your brother. Oh, I'm so, so sorry, he said with such pain flowing through his eyes and beautifully displaying the purity of his emotions and the truth behind them as well. To him, these were not just words of sympathy, but there was a genuine pain felt on her behalf, which, while she did not wish him to feel any more pain than he already had felt in his life so far, but she was so touched that he felt such raw emotion on her behalf all the same. It showed her that in no uncertain terms the heart of this man that she was dealing with here. Vizzy reached down and placed her lower left hand atop of his and held it on her leg, rather enjoying the sensation of his warm nimble fingers on her carapace, and was very tempted to hold it there as long as she could, but she knew she was he was going to need it back if he was going to continue sketching. So, after a bit of a brief but wonderful moment of empathy had passed between the two, she released him. Thank you, David, but it's not your fault. You had nothing to do with this, and with such an atrocity, nor did you any of your other kinsmen or women. This is something that I found hard to learn at first, and I blamed all humans for what had happened to us. But then my brother and Seven's people showed me how very wrong that way of thinking was. I couldn't blame all the actions of few on the many. They also showed me that they were good and kind people out there of all species who would not only accept us but embrace us and welcome us willingly into their lives, she said gesturing to the town behind them, which such things were already happening en masse. Just look at this place as a prime example of this. Already things are getting better for us and for everyone here. Now with every life we touch we spread our message and show people that it's just a different way to live. A way that's not governed by fear or mistrust, but at the same time it's not weak or naive either. We know how to fight, and we have plenty of strength to go around. But what sets us apart from the other groups in the wastes like that is how we use our strength, Vizzy said with a clenched fist and a proud yet defiant buzz of her wings. David looked down over the settlement, and she could see he could see what she was talking about from the Gator Claws helping and mingling with their new human friends, to the other non-human members of Seven's group that were assisting people wherever they could. 
there was a rather distinct harmony to their actions. He turned back to look at Vizzy and continued to sketch while he spoke. All of my life I've lived in fear. Fear of pain, fear of death, fear of torture to me, but a small selection. All I've ever wanted was to be free and to be happy, to make other people happy with my art, and to show people how my mind's eye sees the world, so that maybe, just maybe, my drawings could act as maybe some kind of roadmap to what the world could be, if we really tried. Now, here you guys are, making my dream a reality, and it's more than I could have ever hoped for, he said softly and Vizzy gave him a happy buzz of her wings. Just you wait and see, David. We're going to bring this dream of yours and ours to everyone here. We're going to push those that would use and abuse people of any species out of this land for good. We're going to make it free, just like we did for you guys and those before you. The Free Peoples of the Wastes isn't just a group. It's an idea. And you can't kill an idea because it's like a virus. It spreads. Only instead of making people ill and making them suffer... This virus is the cure to it, she said defiantly once again, clutching the two of her fists and aiming them at the sky. I hope so, Vizzy. I really do. There are so many good people out there just like us around here that we could really use your help. And I know I'm no warrior, but I swear I'll do everything in my power to help in whatever way that I can do, he said, obviously trying to echo her passion and defiance. That's when he flipped around his sketch pad to show her what he'd been drawing. And once again, Vizzy's mandibles fell open of what she saw. I don't know if this'll work, but Seven said part of this battle was winning the hearts and minds of normal people, just like me. So by showing them that not all non-humans are bad, and that the vast majority are just good people, just like them, I think that maybe something like this will help foster that unity, or at least kickstart it. If they see the beauty that I've seen here, then maybe it'll help kick things into gear in the settlements going forwards, he said nervously, obviously hoping for her approval of what he'd drawn. The first was of an image of Vizzy, though this time she was in her full battle armour. She was floating in the air next to Seven, who was in full power armour, except for once again the helmet. It was like he was determined to put a human face on him for all to see him, not show him as a robot. They were floating high above a battlefield. There seemed to be a new carbon copy of the beautiful vista that was visible from the ledge that they'd sat on, showing the fields and hills bathed in golden sunlight that he'd drawn before. Below them was an army of gator claws and humans who were valiantly fighting raiders while shielding freed slaves in their midst. They were bringing them food and blankets at the rear of the lines, while at the front it was made up of gator claw phalanx who were like an impenetrable wall of scales and steel that the raider simply could not pass. At the top was a slogan written in graphite, Be free! like the peoples of the wastes, it read. Oh, there's this one if that one's too graphic, he said, flipping the page over to reveal that while she'd been busy telling him her story, he'd managed to not only draw the heroic battle scene, but managed to pull off yet another sketch. But this one was of her. It showed her standing at the centre of a field of lush green grass that was filled with flowers and had the little bees flitting about it again. She wasn't wearing her armour in this one, and once again it appeared she had, he'd paid rather a great deal of attention to the curves and colours of her body. In that detail, it was incredibly accurate. Though she did wonder if her chest was actually as large as he portrayed it to be, but she did manage to resist the urge to look down and give away her self-consciousness. 
She was smiling brightly and holding out her hand towards the viewer as if beckoning them to join her. At the top it read, Join the free peoples of the wastes. A brighter future for all, together. They, they're beautiful, David. Truly beautiful. But, but I don't think I would be the best face for such an honour. Surely someone more heroic like Seven or Visa, or maybe both, she stammered and David shook his head very passionately. I disagree. You are beautiful and heroic, Vizzy. When I saw you streaking through the skies above the town, I just knew in my heart that I was seeing something amazing. Someone amazing. Now here you are, and I get to talk to you, and truly see you, and it's changed my entire world for the better. You've changed my entire world for the better. I'll never look at another non-human the same way again, and it's all thanks to you. And I want to share that with everyone. Because if only one person like me somewhere sees this picture, or one like it, of you, and feels the same way, then like you said, that idea has already began to spread. And it'll be all thanks to your pretty face, he exclaimed. Vizzy was so taken aback by his passionate outburst that if she'd actually had tear ducts, she probably would have very well cried for joy right there. But instead she shot forward and wrapped all four arms of hers tightly around the slender human artist. Thank you, David. Thank you so, so much, she said softly, and this time he didn't fight the urge to hug her right back. She felt his hand slip in between the folds of her wings and the warmth of his fingers on the thin but strong membranes that made them up. She felt such a powerful rush flicker through her like a flash fire. It was pleasure. The very first taste of it induced by another being, and not just a thought or fantasy of them, but a real, intimate encounter that she could really not bear to let go of. At that exact second, she made her mind up. She wanted this man, and she was going to do everything in her power to not only get him, but to protect him as well. She was going to be his hive queen, the one that he envisioned her to be, and they were going to set up their own little hive, just like her brother had. When they slowly released one another, she could see the flush in David's cheeks, but this flush wasn't from embarrassment. Thanks to that powerful sense of smell that her antennae afforded her, his pheromones were easy to pick out now, and thanks to her experiences around humans, they were rather easy to read as well. Excitement and arousal were the two most prominent of the scents that were blended into the maelstrom that was pouring off him currently. She had to strike while the iron was hot and she knew it. If she let this chance slip her through her many fingers and let his fear reassert its hold over him, she never forgive herself. Would you like to join me for dessert, dinner this evening, David? She asked quickly, remembering something Vess had said to her about getting her chosen human alone and away from others, so they would be more at peace. Really? I mean, yes, yes, I'd love to join you for a meal, he said, making her giggle as he quickly corrected the surprise at her offer. Excellent. And bring your sketch pad. I want to test those artistic powers out of yours to the maximum, she said with a grin on her mandibles that seemed to cause him some confusion. Um, okay, he said obviously confused and she reached up to very gently tuck one of his curly black locks back behind his ear and taking the opportunity to sneaking a feel of his silk soft caramel skin as she did. Vess was absolutely right in what she'd said. When you touch a human for the first time and feel the silk smoothness of their hide... You'll do anything to do have that feeling again. David smiled shyly at her, and she did as she did this, and she smiled back at him. Don't you worry. I'd never let anything bad happen to you, and I promise you this. 
Neither of us will ever be slaves ever again while I draw breath, and while there's fire in my wings. I swear this to you, she said in a soft voice. Thank you, Vizzy. You have no idea what those mean words mean to me, especially coming from you, as you know the pain as well as I do, he said, and she nodded, allowing her antennae to brush over his head as she did. She relished the taste of his raw pheromones. They were just so incredibly potent and intoxicating. But with some serious effort on her part, she managed to tear herself away from him and stood back up, offering him a hand to his feet as she did. Once again, she quickly turned him around and in the same way she got him up there, she grabbed him and flew him back down to the ground. Right, well, you go and get yourself ready and I'll meet you back here later tonight. In the meantime, I have some preparations to make. Oh, and just so you're aware, given that you've quite clearly stated that you see me as a hive queen, this queen will only give the very best at her table. So I expect you to rise to the occasion. So scrub up, David. I expect company fit for a queen. Understand? She said, putting on her best regal voice, and she drew herself up into a rather prim and proper stance. A wide grin lit David's face as he spotted the joke. Though she was only partially joking and he gave her a very polite and surprisingly regal bow. Very well, your highness. I will endeavour to not disappoint, he said, putting on some rather fetching airs and graces. Very good. Now off you go and don't be late. Your queen does not like to be kept waiting, she said, gesturing with two of her hands, which with another bow sent him running off in the direction of the housing block, which was currently being upgraded by a busy team of humans and gator claws. She really hoped that she'd be able to impress him tonight. She really didn't want to mess this up. Her heart was hammering in her chest so hard it made her carapace thump in time with it as she watched him go. Suddenly a deep and resonating cough to her right got her attention and she turned to find a rather large claw stood in the shadows of the wall grinning from horn to horn. Told you, didn't I? Vess said in a deep and throaty voice and Vizzy laughed though more at the fact that the massive alpha claw had managed to really have a knack for creeping up on people unnoticed. No wonder all the claw cubs were terrified of her. Couldn't get away with the shit with her on watch, as the wayward gator claw cubs had learned on the first day that she'd set foot in their compound. You did, and you were right on all fronts, Fizzy said, nodding her head. Good. Now do me a favour and don't mess this up. That one looks like a mighty fine catch. So show him you're worthy of him, and don't let him forget it. And for God's sake, don't let a human girl get hold of him. Understand? Vess said and Vizzy nodded. I won't. I swear it, she said as the big alpha female claw turned with a swish of her massive tail. Good. Now, and if you'll excuse me, all this love in the air has put me in a right mood. I have some human hunting of my own to do. She said, making a beeline for a rather unsuspecting Chris, who was currently in the middle of a field with a load of gator claws, helping them set up yet another irrigation system. Vizzy laughed as she watched her go. Now all she had to do was source and prepare dinner fit for a king. Boy, she really did have her work cut out for her. Yeah, so that was chapter 143, ladies and gentlemen. Looks like Vizzy's finally found her king. But will she be able to crown him, or will something get in the way? Only going to be one way to find out the answer to that question, and probably quite a few more. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.